Good morning. I don't mean to name drop, but um, Mary and I, we had a, a breakfast with Lou Engle yesterday, and he is going to be coming to Cleveland to do the Azusa Cleveland. And as Mary was talking about, it's, or Teresa was talking about in response to the uh, Gulliver prophecy, Rick Joyner is a prophet out of North Carolina. He said that Cleveland is the most racially segregated um, city in the nation. It's interesting that Cleveland used to be spelled C-L-E-A-V-E, a a cleaving, a coming together. And so one of the things we just really want to pray into that is there's a cleaving in that land and that it'll it'll just break that stronghold of racism. It's interesting. So through um, Lou Engle's prayer movement, there's these two guys who became best friends. One guy has the last name of, of Lockett. And uh, this other one is an African-American guy. And so it's interesting. The, the guy Lockett, they, they've just recently, they became best friends and years later just figured this out, that um, the white guy Lockett, he, his ancestors owned the farm where the last shots of the Civil War were fired. The African-American guy, I can't remember his last name, um, his family were slaves on that farm. And they had this big um, kettle that the slaves would hide under and pray so it would muffle their prayers because if, they, if the slave owners heard them praying for deliverance, they would get beaten. And so they would hide under there and pray, and this kettle's been passed down family to family. And so here these two guys are going to come and tell that story in Cleveland, and they're going to wash each other's feet in that kettle. So I want us to just take some time, and I want us to just pray into a cleaving in the land, a breaking of this, of this racism. You know, racism is just one of the great failures of this country. And uh, anytime we make generalizations, we begin to feed into that. The police are like this. Black Lives Matters are like this. This is, I mean, anytime we begin to do that, that, that's a form of racism. That doesn't help anything. And so, Lord, we just thank you that your heart is, <laughs> as we've been reading in Ephesians, is you're bringing Jew and Gentile together in Christ. You're actually reconciling the entire universe to yourself, where there's neither slave nor free, Jew nor Gentile, black nor white, male nor female, so, Lord, we pray against this stronghold of racism in Cleveland and in our city and even in our church and our lives. God, whatever we're holding on to, God, uh, we're not so arrogant to think that we still don't have room to grow. We speak over Cleveland and we declare that racism will be broken. Lord, I thank you that the African-American churches are getting full force under this. They've already committed tens of thousands of people coming to this, and so which is just wonderful. Lord, let there be a breaking. Let there be a shaking and anything else that rhymes with aching. Let, the, let it happen there. Breathtaking. Thank you, Jesus. Let it be so. Lord, we bless Luingo. We bless that whole ministry. But let your presence come and just bring an amazing unity that sparks revival in our nation. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys good? All right. So we are in a series called Heaven's Treasure Chest. We're going through the book of Ephesians, and today we are going to make it through two verses. Those two verses are going to be good, I'm telling you. So it's interesting. The, um, so the book of Ephesians, it's like Paul gives us a cosmic view of what's going on. He starts with before time and lets us know what's going to happen at the end of time. And he begins by saying that when you were born again, you gained access to all of heaven's blessings. Everything that heaven contains, you now have access to. You're thinking, well, I may not feel it. I don't feel like it's going in my life. That's next week when we talk about how to access those things. But you, the point is, you can't see, taste, hear, smell, and feel them. You need the revelation of the Holy Spirit to show you what has happened on the inside of you. So Paul begins to do that. And um, it's interesting. He breaks it up into blessings of the Father, blessings of the Son, and today we'll be looking at blessings of the Holy Spirit. I didn't see that till this week, or I would have told you about it. Blessings of the Father, he says, he chose us to be his very own, verse 4. 
He sees us as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. We are adopted as his delightful children so he can lavish his grace upon us and love us with the same love he has for Jesus. I mean, this will ruin your depression if you're not careful here. Next week, I'm actually going to turn all of these into declarations to give you so you can, just, you can just begin to speak these things over your life. Does that sound good? I ran out of time this week. But I'm going to give it to you next week. Here's the blessings of the Son. He says he gives you all the treasures of salvation, the total cancellation of our sins. You are flooded with grace. You receive all forms of wisdom and practical understanding have been released within you. He has made known his secret plan that he's making one people out of Jew and Gentile and is redeeming everything under the cosmos to himself. Can you imagine what a universe united to Jesus is going to look like? It's going to be amazing. So today I want to look at blessings of the Holy Spirit. So we'll pick it up in verse 13. Again, we'll be going through the Passion Translation, Brian Simmons Translation. Thank you, Jesus, for Brian. And um, Okay, actually we'll be reading from uh, a little bit later from the book of Revelation, Passion Translation, which isn't even out yet. Ask me how I got it. I'm not telling you. <laughs> Verse 13. There was no computer hacking involved, but all right, it's all right. Verse 13. And because of him, speaking of Jesus, and because of Jesus, when you who are not Jews heard the revelation of truth, those who are not Jews, that's us, the Gentiles, unless we got some Jews in here. Bless you. All right. And because of Jesus, when you who are not Jews heard the revelation of truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. Now, the word there, wonderful news of salvation, is gospel. Okay? The word gospel means good news or the wonderful news of salvation. I want you to think about the word news. News is something that has already happened. Sometimes I think we think the good news is I've got to do something. That's not good news. If my wife comes home and says, I've got some good news for you. I've got some stuff for you to do. That's not good news. I, try, I live to avoid those moments. I was so thrilled um, when, uh, a couple years ago when I had severe systemic allergic reaction to poison sumac in our yard. I'm like, this is a sign from God that I'm not supposed to do yard work. Like, this is wonderful. So whenever she wants me to do stuff, I'm like, sweetheart, like God made me this way, okay? But that's, good news is not that you have to do something, okay? Have you ever seen like those, uh, those terrible prank videos? I was going to play one, but all the ones I found they, like, had like extreme amounts of cussing in them. And so I'm like, probably not. Okay, And so there are these prank videos where um, they trick somebody into thinking that they've won the lottery. You know, they'll like buy the thing, you know, like buy them a ticket and like record it and act like it's today's day and they're watching it. And the people, when they, they believe this good news, they are going nuts. I mean, they're jumping up and down, they're screaming, they're quitting their job, they're calling and telling people off. It's like, oh, you know, but there's an extreme reaction to it, okay? That's the idea behind good news. They used to translate it like this a couple centuries ago. It's the good, glad, merry news that makes a man leap and dance and spin for joy. Good news is not, okay, uh, let's theologically look, you've been justified, and then you're going to be sanctified, and then glorified. And then it's just like, man, if you knew the, the truths behind those things, you would be doing, I don't even know what that is. I don't, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I think I just pulled some. I better stop. What? The pen, I'm not doing the pendulum from the new kids in the block. My wife's the only one who's ever seen that. Oh, oh, oh. I'm not doing that. Mm -mm. If I hadn't pulled my muscle, I would have done it. All right? 
We need to pray again. Jesus, help us. Help these people to get those images out of their mind. It's the goodest news you will ever hear. It's the good, glad, merry news that makes a man want to dance and leap and spin for joy. It's the almost too good to be true news. Okay? News is something that has already taken place, and now I am reporting it to you. Okay? So here's, uh, here, here's some good news. Have you heard the news? Imagine coming up to somebody. Hey, have you heard the news that God loves you so much that he has forgiven you? It doesn't matter how big of a mess you've made. All of the obstacles between you and God, he sent his son and he removed them and he longs to chase after you and to embrace you and to bless you your whole life. Have you heard the news? He delights to treat you as if you never sinned and to treat you as if you were Jesus himself. Have you heard the news? Like, hold on, I've been blowing it. I've been doing this and that. Have you heard the news? He paid for that part too. You're welcomed into the dance of God. Have you heard the news? This has already happened. I'm reporting to you something that already has happened. This isn't waiting to happen if you act good enough. You are the object of a fiery, eternal love, and you are welcomed into his presence to be his child and his very, very best friend. He's replaced the mercy seat with the lap of the Father. Lap of the Father. That's where the mercy seat is now. Come here, kid. Let's begin to view your life from this perspective. Come get in my lap. Now let's look at those problems. Have you heard the news? Repentance is not saying, okay, um, back in 2006, um, I had some lustful thoughts. 2007, I exaggerated. Uh, Repentance is not going and listing off every single sin that you've ever done. Repentance means to change your mind, to rethink your life in, in light of this marvelous opportunity. Have you heard this news? Would you like to step into this reality? Repent. Look at things differently. Line your life up with this new reality. Change your mind about who you think Jesus is. Change your mind about who you think God is. He's not this grumpy dad up there waiting to lower the boom on his kids when they're bad. Jesus is God explaining God to us. You want to know what God's like? He's like Jesus. You want to know how uh, Jesus feels about the outcasts? He went to them when everyone else said, don't go. How do you feel about women? He, see, most churches, they... Um, they believe God loves women, but he doesn't empower women, except to do children's ministry and women's Bible studies. What did Jesus do? He's made him part of his followers, made him part of his team. It's interesting. First person he appeared to was a woman. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to talk about that. Equal opportunity ministry for men and women. There's neither slave nor free, male nor female. Why? Because they've all got the same spirit. That's the one who does the ministry anyway. All right. I'm actually going to be talking about the mark of the beast later on. I'm not kidding you. So we're just going to hit some stuff. That pendulum is going through my mind. Uh, 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 I can hear it. Uh, 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 uh. All right. No. No. I take authority. I bind those thoughts. I bind those thoughts. It's <laughs> Thank goodness this isn't being live. Oh, it is being live streamed. Oh. Hi, Mom. I'm so sorry if I embarrassed you. All right. Have you heard the news? And here's what repentance is. It's, it's looking at this wonderful news and saying, thank you. It's this speechless wonder of thank you. 
I want that in my life. And so I recklessly throw my life onto this good news and I say, I'll take that. I don't know what it means. I don't know the fullness of it, but I want to understand it. Have you heard the news? And he says, when you, when you believed, he says, here's what happened, the rest of verse 13. Now the Holy Spirit has stamped and sealed every one of us, guaranteeing the rights of our covenant. Sign, sealed, delivered, baby. The good news has already happened. You hear it. It pierces through your brain. It hits your heart, and you're just left that speechless wonder of thank you. You abandon your life on Jesus. At that moment, the Holy Spirit, the promise, comes and seals in you. He comes in you, okay? So what does this mean, a sealing? So it's taken from a picture of the custom of the day. So you can imagine like an ancient marketplace. There's, uh, there's tables, you know, everything's open, open goods. Picture like a farmer's market, like that. So they got goods for sale, and an owner would, uh, a rich man would come through, and he would buy things, and his servants would run behind, and they would stamp them or seal them, showing that this one belongs to this guy. If the guy was very wealthy, would have the household seal right on there. So these, these items had been purchased. They are belonging to another. Are you getting the picture here? But it has not reached its final destination. So when it's stamped there, it's not reached its final destination. The final destination is that it would come into the home of an owner and have an entirely new purpose. So you and I, we've been left in the marketplace here. We've been stamped, we've been sealed, but it's not our final destination. Our final destination, we can't even imagine a universe united to God. Just, you know, heaven is not going to be one long worship service. It's like, yeah, boy, Zion's got long worship, and so, boy, eternity is going to be like 10 gazillion years of worship. Okay, it's not that. Okay? When God breathed his breath of life into you and gave you the power to create wealth, which I'm not here to talk about, but I want to super bad. When he breathed that into you, your, your fruitfulness, your purpose, you're actually going to be doing work of ruling the galaxy with God out of your created identity in partnership with him. So I don't know what all it's going to look like. Apparently, Jesus could move at the speed of thought. He's with him. He's out of there. That's going to be sweet. I'm getting off. This, let's just call this Random Thoughts on Christianity. There's the title of the, of the message today. Have you heard the news? You've been stamped. You've been sealed. The owner has come through and he's put his mark on you and said, this one is mine. You only seal and secure that which is valuable. Do you know how much something is worth? Whatever someone's willing to pay for it. So my friend, his dad, I'm just going to call him Mr. K, because I don't want to say Mr. Krolovich, because I don't want to say his real name. So Mr. K... He had this car when I was in college, and uh, his son was uh, one of my best friends, and he had a, a Datsun, this is before Nissan, remember there was Datsun, Datsun 280Z. And so I love those cars, kind of had that back almost like a Porsche 928, had that little, it was just a beautiful car. I, this one had many miles on it, okay, so it was past its glory days, and so a lot of times it wouldn't go into reverse, and so we would have to like get out and like shove it out of the parking space and hop in, you know, and, and, uh, and then sometimes when you would drive, the, the, um, the reclining part of the seat would just give out. <sighs> Suddenly you're, you're, you're just in the back seat. I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> you know, always at the worst times. And when you're going down the road, it had this noise as if you had a, um, a metal can full of bolts. And just someone was rattling. Like, what is shaking? I have no idea. I don't even know how this thing is still going, okay? So one day, Mr. K decides to sell the car. And uh, I think he was asking like 7500 for it, which was way overpriced. Mr. K loved this car. It was his treasure. He just loved this thing, okay? And so this guy comes over and looks at it and says, 
you want $7,500 for this thing? I'll offer you three. Mr. K gets insulted. He's like, what? What did you just say? Fine, it's $10,000 for you. And the guy's like, $10,000? Are you kidding? Fine, twelve dollars for you. Okay? Apparently that car was worth a lot to Mr. K more than other people. I think they actually kept the thing like forever. It might still be in the family. I'll even know. Okay? Today I'm looking at a bunch of people who have been purchased. And the price that was paid for you was with the blood of God. What are you worth? You are worth the blood of God. I want you to get this. You've been stamped. You've been sealed. This one is mine. And the price that was paid for you was God himself. Guys, get this on the inside and your bad days will stop happening. Your tough days won't stop happening. You're just going to be doing them from the lap of the Father saying, hey, how about we, let's look at this from this perspective. This one's mine. They've been stamped. They've been sealed. Talk about it, baby. Heat up your oatmeal, baby. That was from part one. Back in ancient Rome, the seal upon that item purchased, it indicated the name of the owner. So you could go through and say, oh, Jim's been here. His name's all over this stuff. And so here, um, the owner, he doesn't just put a seal on you. The owner became the seal. I want you to get this. This doesn't say like the Holy Spirit comes and is like, Mark, Mark. He's like, I am the seal, and I'm coming to be that seal upon your heart, and I'm asking you to place yourself as the seal upon mine. Song of Songs 8.6. He didn't just seal you. He is the seal. Have you heard the news? He says, this one is mine. I'm going to camp out in this person and possess them and protect them and keep them because they're mine. There's a place for them in my house. There's something divine operating on the inside of you right now. The owner has come and he's imprinted you with his very self. What does that look like? 1 John 3, 9 says that um, the seed of God is in us. Okay, so I'll just give you a word picture here. It's, it's just accurate. The word seed there is the Greek word sperma. Okay? The sperma of God, the very DNA of God has been imprinted on the inside of you and he is conforming you to the image of that seed. I mean, I, everyone here, we, we all love the old MacGyver show. Um, not the new one, that one's terrible. But the old MacGyver show, we love the old MacGyver show because MacGyver could take anything in his circumstance and use it for his purpose, like escape from some, you know, Chechen prison or whatever the, whatever the thing was, right? He could take a piece of bubble gum and a pine cone and turn it into like a time bomb. It's like, how did this guy do this, okay? There's an aspect of God that is revealed in MacGyver. It says, in everything, God is able to work all things together to conform you to the image of Jesus. Here's what that means. This DNA is on the inside of you. And then as God is going to take circumstances on the outside, and as you sit on his lap, and as you partner with him and do things in his strength, these circumstances, he's going to use everything in his, your environment to conform you to the image of his son. It can be a pine comb. It can be uh, a bad day at work. It can be da-da-da-da. It doesn't matter. Things that are from Satan, things that are just natural. Not every tire that goes flat is the devil. Sometimes it might be. I don't know, okay? I want you to get this picture. There's something divine at work in you. And he's going to use everything in your life if you will approach it from your new position. I'm sealed. I'm protected. I'm his. I've been flooded with grace. I've been flooded with wisdom. He sees me with unstained innocence. Hold on, but I'm not acting with unstained innocence. God has chosen to relate to you how he sees you 10,000 years from now. 
you're going to be amazing. 10,000 years of growth with your sin nature completely removed in the presence of God, for, you're going to be amazing. And he's like, I'm going to treat you. He's like, I see the beginning from the end. Oh, yeah, I see what's going on here. I see how Ryan's going to be. I see how he is now. He's doing all right. But 10,000 years from now, Ryan's going to be a flaming lion of power. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to begin to treat you like that. You see what I'm saying? That's why he put you in his son. He put you in this little incubator that's going to grow you to be a lookalike of his son. The stage is set for the fulfillment of the ages, which is to fill the universe with Christ in you. There is a Christ in you company coming to a theater near you, a workplace near you, a school near you, a neighborhood near you. Romans 8, 17 says, all of creation is groaning and in the pains of childbirth. Why is the cosmos in pain and labor and travailing? Are they travailing for the rapture? No, there's not going to be a rapture, but I'm not here to talk about that. They're waiting on us. They're waiting for the sons and daughters of God to understand who we are, to cooperate with that sperma, that seed of God on the inside of us, and begin to grow into the people that he created us to be from the beginning. That's why all of the cosmos is aching for us to become those people. There's so much worth on you that the Holy Spirit himself is the seal on you saying, this one's mine, and I'm committed to the end. Okay, I'm going to use an illustration from the book of Revelation, which is always dangerous in America. To me, the book of Revelation is a book of signs and symbols that are interpreted by the rest of the Bible, not interpreted by our imagination. Um, there's no computer chips in the Bible. The mark of the beast is not a computer chip. That would have made no sense to the original readers. They didn't get the book of Revelation and go, Pfft. This thing is freaky. Let's stick it in there. Maybe 2,000 years from now, the newspapers can explain the Bible. Okay? It's, they actually, uh, one of the first verses of the book of Revelation says that there's a blessing just for reading it. They actually got blessed. This actually ministered to them. It wasn't like, what a bunch of crazy stuff. What was John doing that day? Okay? It actually meant something, and it's steeped in the language of the Old Testament. Okay? So uh, if you have a different view, God bless you. Enjoy your view. You're here now, and if you don't agree with me, it's still going to be a great illustration. Okay? All right? Okay. All right. Revelation chapter 13. Um, I'm going to begin at verse 16. And it's unfortunate because it changes chapters right in the middle of a thought. So I'm going to go through 14.1. I think we've got the Passion Translation, Book of Revelation, not even published yet for your viewing and listening pleasure. There it is. The beast also caused everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and bound, to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead. This meant no one could buy or sell unless they had the mark, that is, the name of the beast or its number. Verse 18, this will require wisdom to understand. Let the one with insight interpret the number of the wild beast, for it is humanity's number 666. Just so you know, um, I, the whole reason I'm doing this is because there's a mark of the beast but we've been marked too by the seal, okay? I'm contrasting those things. For this is humanity's number, 666. Um, the Aramaic version says, um, this is the son of Adam's number. Interesting. Then I looked and behold, there was a lamb standing on Mount Zion. Mount Zion is not just a place, it's a realm that believers enter into full of glory and beauty. Okay, in the New Testament, got it? 
So, there, uh, so then I behold, there was a lamb standing on Mount Zion, gathered with him are 144,000. Those are faithful believers. It's just a symbol of faithful believers who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. See that? See, that's chapter 14, verse 1. A lot of times people stop at 13. So you've got this contrasting group. You've got this group who's marked by a beast on their hand and their forehead, and you've got this group of Mount Zion who's entered into a realm of glory and power who's also been marked. Okay? If one mark is spiritual, then the other one is too. Okay? Don't worry about computer chips in your forehead. My goodness, that's to sell books. It's foolishness. Okay, so... I said the book of Revelation is interpreted from images of the Old Testament. Do you remember anywhere in the Old Testament where people were marked on their wrist and their forehead? Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord our God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then he says this. Take the, Lord, take the laws of God and write them on your mind. Bind them on your wrist. Write them on the doorposts of your, of your house. Okay? That's a Jewish way of saying, let the word of God dominate everything that you think and everything that you do, and let your home be marked by the word of God. Okay? So what is this beast? Okay? It says that, guys, if it was a literal mark, a tattoo on your forehead, it wouldn't take wisdom to interpret. Okay? It says it's the mark of the beast is the number 666. Six in the, in the Bible is the number of man. Man was created on the sixth day. Where did it say the beast came out of? It said the beast came up from the ground. Where was man made? From the ground. From the dust of the earth. The mark of the beast is sinful human tendencies that we will be battling against as long as we live here on this planet. The mark of the beast is probably sitting next to you. Not you, but the other person, the other person. <laughs> it's human nature that needs to be redeemed, okay? Look what it says. Then I looked, and behold, there was a lamb standing on Mount Zion, Here's God among his people who've entered into a realm with him. Gathered with him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. So here's the, I love how that refers to him as the lamb. It's a picture of God who has come and said, here's what I'm like. And he allows himself to be vulnerable. He allows himself to be mistreated. He pours out his life for his enemies. This is what God is like. He's this cosmic ruler up there. No, 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 no. He's like a lamb who came. So he says, he says here's, this, he, so here's this company, and it says they have the mark of the lamb, this picture of this God who has laid down his life for others and his father. So if we have the mark on him, it means that we are beginning to look like him. There's a group of people who are beginning to pour out their lives for others. They're going to, as Paul says, be imitators of God. He says you're children of light, which means you look like light. Okay? Here's these people who have the mark of the Lamb and of the Father. Everything that they think, they're going to begin to see from this perspective and live from the perspective of the Lamb on their head. Jim, what does this have to do with me? It has everything to do with you because Monday morning you're going to see this play out. You may even see it play out on the parking lot before you get out of here. But you've got people marked by the Lamb and his Father who are going to be rubbing up against 666. People marked by their sinful human nature. Are we good? Can we take it one step further? <laughs> All right, we'll try here. I want us to get at this mind thing. It's really being highlighted right now. Um, 
The mark of the beast is on the forehead and on the hand. Everything they think and everything that they do is, is marked by sin. It's marked by, by man. It's, it's man, man, man. Six, six, six. Me, me, me. It's, it's, it's emphasizing. That was the original lies. I can do life apart from God. I can be like God apart from God. Everything revolves around me. Okay, that's the lie. Everything revolves around him. That's where we find our purpose. Okay, so um, the forehead is the same place where Goliath was killed. Remember that? Same place where Goliath was killed, the giant. Um, Goliath is a picture of the mind of man. So the, uh, the root word for Goliath is Golgotha. It means skull hill or place of the skull. Do you guys remember where Jesus was crucified? You remember what was placed on him? Thorns was a picture of the curse was placed upon his mind. Okay? So here's the picture. Jesus crucified in the place of the skull, um, prophesied you know, by years, you know, centuries before of, of Goliath, being killed in the forehead. Goliath was that giant. He was, he, I mean, he represented everything that came against God. Here's the, here's the picture. Until the message of the cross pierces your mind, you'll never understand. The place of the skull has to be broken open for revelation to come. The door to truth is not intellect. The door to truth is a spirit yielded to God. That's a mind that's been marked by the Lamb. It's on the cross. It's that place of the skull. It's been crucified. It's been pierced through. The mind is a good student, but a terrible master. So we've got so many believers who are trying to figure out, apart from God, how does this all work? How is this going to play out? Question, question, question. What am I going to do? Well, how about if I do this? You know what that's called? Worrying. You know what worrying is called? Atheism. It's acting as if there's no God. Instead, you have to recognize, you know what? You've been sealed. You've been marked. This one is mine, and there's been a mark on your forehead. There's a new way of thinking from Dad's lap. Come here. Come here. Dad, that's come. Come here. Come here. Okay, now let's begin to look at this thing. Because I've given you every spiritual blessing. I've access to everything heaven has access to. And you want to know my heart towards you? I see you with unstained innocence. I know you've been blowing it, but that's why, that's why I put you into my son so that I could do nonstop lavishing you with grace and goodness. And he's just waiting for you to flip on that switch and say, thank you. God, I'll take that. I, I don't want to go and live apart from you and figure this out. I don't want to get into legalism and religion and law that says, I better do something to impress God. No, no, no. He's impressed with Jesus. He puts you into Jesus, and he says, come curl up into my lap. You begin to get in. Have you heard the news? Everything's different. All the obstacles between you and God have been removed. Here's Romans 5. You ready for this? You will never experience the wrath of God. Have you heard the news? You will never experience the wrath of God. I could, I could wreck someone's theology right there. Why? Because the justice of God was God coming down and paying the price for your sin. So he's not a judge who just winks at sin. Ah, don't worry about it. No big deal. So, you know, some grandpa who just acts like his grandkids are the greatest, even though they're a bunch of brats. He's not that God. Okay? He takes sin very seriously, so seriously that he came down and purchased you with the blood of God. Here's the good news, is that Jesus took humanity to himself, took upon the whole penalty. He died and was buried. And when you said yes to him, it's as if you were buried with him. You were raised with him, and you ascended into heaven with him. And because he ascended, it means he was Lord of all. It means it worked. It means he really was the Son of God. He really did overcome death. It really did work. Verse 14. That was just one verse. You guys ready? This one will be a little shorter. He, speaking of the Holy Spirit, is given to us. I hope you're sitting down. You guys all sitting down? You're not sitting down? 
Lean against that wall because you're going to need this. You ready? The Holy Spirit is given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride. You and I are the fiancé of Jesus. Do you understand we're born of the Spirit, sealed by the Spirit, indwelt by the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, made one in the Spirit, given gifts of the Spirit, given ministry to the Spirit? If that's the engagement, what's the marriage going to be like? You understand, week after week, I'm spending my life trying to tell you about the engagement. I dare you to begin to fantasize and imagine about what the marriage is going to be like. He put a ring on it, baby. (laughs) And that ring is the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit, is given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride as the first installment of what's coming. He is our hope promise of a future inheritance which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom, all for the supreme glory and honor of God. I dare you to start imagining this with the Lord, what it could be like. It's going to exceed your imagination in every way. The Bible says exceedingly abundantly about anything you could ask or imagine. Let me close with this thought. Ephesians 4.30 in the Passion Translation. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ. Same book, same phrase, okay? Has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. That's what we just looked at. He's our engagement ring, but there's more coming. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted his holy influence in your life. Okay. The Holy Spirit is the foretaste of heaven while we are on our way to heaven. He is the most precious gift that we have. Um, he is our divine coach preparing us for heaven. He is the source of all graces by which we can receive love and love others and live the life of the kingdom now. Don't grieve him. Not because he gets angry, but because he's precious. He is our very life. He's the only thing we have. You know, there's, there's like a terrible saying that, you know, if the Holy Spirit were withdrawn from the church, you know, 95% of churches would go on as usual. And I, I mean, that is an absolutely terrifying thought because I know that there's times in my life when I live as if he's not there. I'm just doing things in my own strength. And that, and that grieves him. Uh, why? Because he's relational. He's a person. He's not the force from Star Wars. Oh, he gave you a word of knowledge. Ooh, he healed that person. No, he, he's a person. And he manifests himself in power and wisdom and a seal. But those are just pictures into a reality of his personality, which is a picture in the reality of what God's really like. And so I just, I just am closing with this little thought here. Yield to him. Okay? When you're getting a little prompting, when you feel like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't say that. You know what? I kind of lost it with my kids. I need to go over there and make things right. You know what? Um, I saw those two tissues sitting there. Uh, They were my wife's. And um, I thought, you know what? I should probably go get those. And then my mind went to something else. And then Milka comes up and gets those things. And so, you know what? I should have acted on that thing right away. You go, Jim, that's silly. Um, Not to me, it's not. You know, it's it's this daily, hourly, God, I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to be full of you. I want to hear. I want to be like a leaf on a tree responding to the slightest breeze. The fear of the Lord means I have a trembling, quaking awe of him 
But the other side of it is, is it pulls me into him. It's, you see, I'm, it's not like I'm scared to death of him, but I'm in awe of him. And out of that awe, when he tells me something, I want to respond quickly. You know, Mary posted something that when you don't respond quickly, it's proof that you don't have fear of the Lord. So the goal isn't like, oh, I better start responding. It's like, God, I need to see you more clearly, which is next week, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, because when you see him more clearly, all this stuff flows. When you don't see him clearly, then it's probably just you and your own effort, and it just it gets exhausting. Trust me. I'm wondering if there's some here today that are, that are humble enough to say, I'm not going to have anyone raise their hands, but you're humble enough to say, I don't really know the Holy Spirit as a person. I know about him. I could probably tell you some verses about the things that he does, but as far as experiencing his love, experiencing him as a friend, walking through life with him, I, I don't really know what that means. And so I want us to just pray at the end here that uh, if that's you, and I'm sure all of us, our hearts cry as God, I may, I may have a taste of it, but I want, I want the full bite. <laughs> I've had a sip, but I want, I want the whole thing. I'm sure that's everybody's heart in here. You wouldn't be here. So um, unless somebody dragged you here, and then, you know, God bless you. So I want you to... Uh, I'm going to just pray some phrases, and I'm going, to, I'm going to take some time and just let you make those phrases your own. Maybe you'll take that as kind of a launch pad and talk to God. you understand where I'm going with this? So, and then I'm going to read Ephesians 3.16 over you in our closing. Okay? So Holy Spirit, I want to know your love for me in a deeper way. You don't have to pray this out loud, but just use that as a launch pad for you. I want to know your love for me in a deeper way. Holy Spirit, I want to hear your voice and respond to your leadings. Holy Spirit, I want a life of adventure with you. I want to love you. I open my heart and I say hour by hour, moment by moment, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I give up. <laughs> I need you. Super bad. Here's Ephesians 3.16. This is one of Paul's apostolic prayers. And I pray that he would pour out over you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled with overflowing with the fullness of God. Lord, let that, be our, let that be our experience, Lord. I want to be filled with the fullness of God. It sounds like we would explode, but we, we're asking for it. Fill us with the fullness of God. Let us be those who develop a friendship with your precious Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you that we have been sealed with you. <laughs> you couldn't get any closer to us if you tried. Open up our eyes to these treasures and let them become realities in our life. Before I uh, turn over the service here, um, I've, been, I've been shouting to you, have you heard the good news? And so before we close, I'd love to just take an opportunity to see if there's anyone here that maybe you're hearing the good news uh, for the first time, or maybe it's hitting you, or maybe it's the first time in a long time and you've kind of walked away from God. And I just want to just give an opportunity. If there's anyone here this morning and you're like, I, I want in. 
I want to step into the purpose of God to know him, to enjoy him, and to let my life speak for him. So if there's anyone here, you want Jesus to be the leader of your life. You're willing to say, I give up, but I am giving control to the most competent, kind, compassionate, wise person in the universe that I want to get to know. So is there anybody in here? Just slip up your hand, and uh, we want to pray with you here. I don't want to embarrass you, but I do feel like there's something powerful. Jesus says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. And so there is something about being bold. Is there anyone in here? And you're like, you know what? I want to take that step today. I want to step into that. I want to believe. I want to have that, that breathless thank you of Jesus. If you could just raise your hand. Is there anybody in here? You want to take that step today? Anybody in here? Is there anybody in here your heart is pounding and you wish you would have raised your hand? We've all been there. And uh, you know, you're like, you know what, I'm going I'm to take this second chance. And so just slip up your hand if, you, if that's you. You with the sweaty palms and the pounding heart. I'm talking to you. All right, awesome. Let's stand for closing prayer. Have you heard the news? You've been sealed by Jesus himself. He put a ring on it, baby. Jesus, we love you. God, let these not be theological truths that impress our imagination. God, let them be heart-throbbing, pulse-racing realities that we turn to over and over and over again. So, Lord, I bless your people. I bless them to be the most dangerous people in Columbus, Ohio, because they've been marked on their forehead with the Lamb and His Father, which means that they're going to look a whole lot like love. So I bless us to be people who have been marked as we rub up against 666 this week, that we're going to respond in love. Not in our own strength, but the strength of the seal within us. In the name of Jesus, amen. 